I appreciate it. Wow, I'm glad you guys are here. Um, I tell you what, since this is it, guys, we're going to be doing some group stuff. So there's two chairs here or two chairs there to be in, a, be in one of the groups. If uh, whichever one smells the least bad, jump at that table. Uh, but I'm so glad you guys are here this morning. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and confess, although I'm up early in the mornings, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you to shift in just a second. Um, I'm not a morning person, so if, if my words clear uh, or don't connect, then that's that's because it's morning. But I want to just give you a, a real quick uh, background of why I'm here. Uh, when Marcus had told me about this group, I've been praying for about the last year and a half, two years. I'm like, Lord, just all my heart is uh, men, and, and I just feel like our society is attacking men on a whole new level. And uh, the, the idea of what is a man, and, and if you want to be... Uh, shunned, just be be a man, uh, because it's it's that attack, it's that point of attack in our society. So I, I was just praying. I'm like, Lord, if there's an opportunity for me to to just really kind of lead in and uh, lean in to what being a man is, how you created us, I want to be a part of that. And then Marcus called and said, Hey, we're gonna try to do this thing for six weeks, and it took me about 30 seconds to, to pray. I'm like, Lord, you work out the logistics. I'm gonna I'm gonna I want to do that. And so this is going to be more, and I've looked at the overview of the material, which is really, really good, but I've purposely only done one week at a time because I want to do this with you guys and us to do this together and really discover what that is. And uh, I want to give a, a one simple illustration of, of what kind of this material is going to be about. So um, how many of you all remember Pictionary? You remember Pictionary? Yeah, so every Christmas we'd play Pictionary at my house. My dad passed away a couple years ago, but nobody wanted my dad on their team because uh, he was an aeronautical engineer, brilliant man, but he was horrible at Pictionary. And uh, so it was his turn. It was guys against the girls. We're like, okay, you got this? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I got this one. I got this one. So he starts to draw. We turn over the timer, and he starts to draw. This is what he drew. So he drew this. And we're like, uh, uh, so what would you guess at that point? boat so we guess boat and we're like boat and he's like yeah 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 we're like it's a boat and he's like no it's not a boat yeah 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 we're like okay and then after about 10 15 seconds he draws this and we're like a a, a paddle he's like yes yeah 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 paddle paddle and then we're like an oar and then he just starts pointing we're like a canoe he's like yeah like it's a canoe no it's not a canoe and then for the the last 40 seconds he just points he just points at it and we're like, man, and the time runs out, and he's like, you guys are so close. You're so close. We're like, what was it? Now, anybody want to guess what the word was based on that picture? Saddle, that's a good one. But no, it was. he said it was a boat, and, and we a kayak. That was my guess. That wasn't it either, but that was my guess. Anybody ever said, Dad, what, what, what was the word? He said the word was round. Round. What's up with the boat? And he said, well, you know, it's a rowboat, and you sing that song, row, 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 you boat, you sing it in rounds. <laughs> wow. That's so much easier than just drawing a circle. You know, it's like, wow, that's way too complex. I share that to say that this material is not going to be so deep and complex we don't get it. It's, I really believe it's going to be, uh, for a lot of us, it's going to be validating what you're doing, and that, hey, you're on the right road. There's going to be pieces of it where it's going to be a little bit of a challenge going, wow, I hadn't thought of that perspective. 
And I need to be moving in that direction. But if nothing else, just connecting with other guys is is just paramount. Because in our society, we're, we're missing that so much. So just in that vein, we're going to start out. And all I want you to do is I want you to go around your tables. Um, and there's three of them there, so you guys don't even have to move. You can pull him into yours. And here's what I want you to do. For the next uh, three to five minutes, I just want you to tell your name, how long you've lived in Cincinnati, and one, just one of your top ten movies of all time. Okay, which, which one of your top ten favorite movies of all time? So just go around your tables. You've got about, you got about three to five minutes, so don't linger too long. But uh, and have some fun with that. But get to know each other at your table. Ready, go. Alrighty, guys, great job on that. You have a little bit of time at the end to, to continue on to that. Um, if you have one of the books, I want to encourage you to open up to page 8. And if you didn't get one of the books, you got the copies, just open to the first page. Because uh, we're going to fill in some blanks. And if I miss a blank, you say, hey, uh, what was the blank on that one? And we'll, we'll get there. But want to go through this as just a little bit of an overview, and I, I really do like this material, and I'm not used to doing material that's not mine originally, but I'm really, really enjoying reading through this and the concept, and some of these pieces uh, have just really kind of opened my eyes to the why we are where we are as men in our country, in our culture, and we're going we're gonna to go through this, and then I'm going to give you a chance uh, in a group to discuss for about 20 minutes. Uh, these different questions, and there's four questions for you to go through. But the introduction part there, very, very top. Our world desperately needs better men, authentic, real men. Um, our culture's in just just screaming for it. And and I asked, uh, I've, I've had the privilege of getting to know several men in different areas of life. Met some uh, professional athletes in uh, baseball and golf and uh, the NBA and the NFL and I asked the guys, I said, what was the hardest adjustment after your playing days were over? Did you miss the, the limelight? Did you miss the, 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 not the spotlight, but just the, the competition? And almost without exception, the number one piece these guys would say was, no, I missed the locker room. I missed coming in and just being with guys and having a common goal and just getting to do that together on a regular basis. They just, they love that. And that's really missing from our society. But what happens there is what I really think is going to happen here. And that is just a camaraderie and you, you just kind of glean from each other, sharpen each other. And, and, and that's what, that's what we really need. So the current uh, manhood realities, men are in a state of confusion. There's a lack of what a man is. And uh, with that attack, it's like when, when do I become a man? When, when did that happen? Was it something that we just look back and, well, I guess I'm a man now because I'm paying my own bills? Or was it, you know, I'm a man when I drink my first beer or I kill my first deer or first time I have sex, I guess I'm a man now? What, when did that happen or when does that happen? And uh, in that same realm, I've, I've talked to guys that I've, I've just seen as really secure in their manhood and really successful in every area of life. And one of the common threads was they knew that time when they became a man. 
And I'll share that in a little while with you. But secondly, not only confused, but we're experiencing a general disappointment with life. And I think this stems really from the way our culture is set up and it's moving more and more. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, you can be anything you want to be? Did you hear that growing up? Uh, I did I did as well. What a crock that turned out to be, right? Uh, I wanted to play in the NBA. It turns out I'm short, I'm slow, and I can't jump. Uh, so not a really good resume. And I, like I said, I did some events with the NBA. I actually met several players, but met Shaquille O'Neal, and that was one of the ones that blew my mind. One, his foot, no lie, is that big. And uh, just a great guy. His His hand just engulfed mine. And I got to thinking right after I walked away, I'm laughing, and my buddy said, what's funny? I said, Shaq, that just makes me laugh. And he's like, what is funny? I said, well, what if they told him that growing up? You can be anything you want to be. No, he can't. What if Shaq's dream in life was to be a professional horse jockey? Uh, Just imagine that, those horses just, you you can't be whatever you want to be. My best friend in uh, middle school, I'll call him Alan, because that was his name, and uh, Alan he leaned over. He goes, dude, I'm going to be a model. And I'm like, dude, you're ugly. You know, you just, you, it, it's one of those. But here's the amazing part. Our world tells you you can be whatever you want to be. And when we're not that, when we're not the professional athlete, when we're not, uh, my, my boys love gaming and uh, they're kind of weaning off of that, which is great. But I'm like, okay, really? Can you make a living at that? And they're like, yeah, yeah, there's Ninja. He makes a living. He makes a million dollars by playing games. And it is. He's a real guy. He really does make millions from people watching him play video games. The only thing in my world worse than playing video games, watching somebody play video games. But he makes a million dollars. But there's one. There's one guy that does that. So what happens if I'm not that one? I think there's this well, if I'm not a professional athlete and I'm not this, then I'm not what I want to be, what's left over. But here's the amazing part that I've discovered, that we can't be what we want to be, but we can be what we were meant to be. So what were we meant to be? What were we meant to be as men? And and we're going to discover that. Uh, number three, men are experiencing pain. Pain. Every one of us has some sort of pain, either from our past, maybe it's from a failure, Maybe it's from having to deal with divorce. That's in our society big time. Let me ask this. How many of you have either gone through or been in a family um, that your parents were or you've gone through divorce? How many of you have been in touch with Okay. That's, that's huge. That's, that's very common. And my parents were not divorced. And uh, my dad's dad died when he was young. But because of these, my dad really didn't have that connection. Uh, like I said, he's a brilliant man. He's an aeronautical engineer. And he was there. He provided um, and he he took care of things, and he came to some games, and he was there. But because of his personality, one of my pains that I dealt with for years, and I didn't realize it was there, was that he was a perfectionist. And not just for himself, but for me especially. Not really my brother or sister, but for me. So at 10, I started mowing the lawn. We have an acre yard, and I mow the lawn. And I can never run one time him not coming out at the end going, well, you missed this part. You did this wrong. You did that wrong. And I never did it right. And even into my adulthood, I dealt with it and went, okay, I get it. He's that way. Um, I wrote a book on relationships back in 2000. And it was voted one of the top three books in the country for, for singles. Sold uh, tens of thousands of copies. And uh, I, I, I gave a copy to my mom and dad on Father's Day. My dad gave me the copy back. He had gone through it and marked it up in red with where everything that he thought I did wrong. 
And I was like, okay. So, I, I mean, that's, that's just a pain I had to deal with and go, okay, I've got to put this in a box. But men in general, we're dealing with it from all different ways. And I don't know if you've, what your backgrounds are, but just through work, you know, what, where am I succeeding and, and how does that look? And at home, and what does that look like? And then uh, men are lonely. Men are lonely. Like n- no other time I've experienced in my life, um, there's just a, a loneliness. And I think a part of it comes from technology that we have a lot of acquaintances, but there is this, and one of the guys last night brought this up. He says, you know, in, in social media and in, in texting and this, there's almost an unwritten rule that we can connect, but don't go below the surface. Don't ask me anything personal. Let's not go anywhere where we have to actually get vulnerable. And because of that, there's this just uh, ache of loneliness that we're dealing with. And then at the top of the next page, men are drifting Men are drifting. We see it in society. We're waiting longer and longer to take on responsibility. Men tend to be just kind of aimless because there wasn't that I'm not a professional athlete or I'm not what I wanted to be. We're just kind of living from adventure to adventure or trying to find that one place where we can succeed and pour in there because it brings some kind of fulfillment. But we're, we're not really fulfilling what we were created to be. And I, and I see that. And then men are turning to, this is probably one of the most painful overall, men are turning to escape to numb the pain. Addictions are at an all-time high across the board. Um, you, there's commercials. Every sporting event I've watched, there's an addiction therapy, whether it's alcohol or drugs or porn or whatever. And it's this thing of, I, I've got to numb this emptiness that I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. So, you know what, that makes me feel good for a moment. I'm going to pour into that, and it, it grabs onto us. And then um, here's, here's a reality point of it. Confused men create major problems. When we're not sure what we're doing, where we're going, there's a problem. When we do discover, here's specifically what I should be doing, who I am, and it's simplified. Well, here's what a man is, and I'm really looking forward to getting the definition and how God created us. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, uh, there was a coach back in the 80s uh, for the Houston Oilers, which is now the Tennessee Titans. His name was Bum Phillips. Anybody else remember Bum Phillips? Do you really? That's awesome. If you remember Bum, then you're old. Um, so, but Bum Phillips, he was this defensive mastermind. And he was asked one time, Coach, you got the best defenses in the NFL. You're always in the top two or three. Um, what's your secret? And he says, we keep it simple. And he says, what do you mean? He says, well, we basically get in a set and we say, do this. Here's your one assignment. Go do that. And he says, because we found when you're aggressive, you're successful. And he said, it's hard to be aggressive when you're confused. And I was like, wow, keep it simple. And I took that as a coach. And I've coached basketball for years. And I'm like, here's the simple part. How can I get it so simple? And I believe we're going to see where God has said, I'm going to make this super simple for you. Here's what a man is. Here's, here's where you're going to find that fulfillment and joy. And you can look at all these statistics. Um, that 90, it's, it's written there, 90% of murders are committed by men, 88% of uh, robberies, 75% of all persons arrested are men. And, and I really think it stems from these realities we just looked at. And number eight, though, without a compelling vision for manhood, men will settle for less in life. Well, I would say that 
I see this all over the place, and I talk to guys of all ages, and just this idea of without that clear vision of what is a man and finding the fulfillment and becoming that, that there's this drift of like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a single guy and I want to get married. I think I want to get married and I, I know that I want to have sex. So that, that's what God says. So I'm going to get married and we get married and then, well, you know, we find out it's not sex on demand 24 hours and it's, so that weans a little bit and it's like, well, we'll have kids because I, I guess that's the next step and they have kids and, and we get a little bit involved, and a lot of guys start living through their kids vicariously. Maybe you're going to be the professional athlete. Maybe you're going to be that. And I coached uh, middle school basketball at a very uh, upper scale, very Caucasian school. And it was amazing to me. I coached middle school basketball. And in the minds of those parents, the only thing between their child and the NBA was me. And if I could screw up their kid. And I'm like... Yeah, um, he's talented, but not that talented. And uh, that that mindset of a lot of parents to go, you know what? What is it that we gotta gotta get to in order to find this fulfillment? And that vision is is critical. Well, this one was eye opening to me. On the next page, on page ten, it gives some of the historical roots of our present manhood crisis. And I'm just going to blow through these real quick because there there's some some really good pieces to why this happens. Um, let me let me finish that that progression though. So we go married to kids, kids to maybe work and getting caught up in work, and then then it's it's like I don't know uh, it it's draining. I see guys walking around almost like zombies. Okay, I've done the kids, and then and then, and then I'm pretending that two weeks of vacation is enough. And man, I've heard guys in their 30s going, "Man, I just can't wait to retire. I can't wait to retire." And I'm like, "Why? You're 30. Why don't you do something you love to do?" Well, you know what? I just can't wait. I'm saving up so I can retire. And then we retire and die, and that that was it. I don't believe that's what men were meant for. So go to the other end of the spectrum. How did we get here and what are some of the contributing factors? One is racism. Uh, Racism and the whole idea of slavery back in the day, literally they would break up families. So in in parts of our culture, that's had a major hurdle to overcome. And then the civil rights movement came along and said, hey, this isn't right. We're going to right this wrong legally. But then the process to get to where we are today, which I think is monumentally further than where it was back in the 60s and 70s. But then there's this residual of those two effects where uh, the the percentage of fatherless homes is through the roof, and that is having a major effect on our our manhood. Um, And it's really not so much a cultural but a dynamic of the family that I've seen because some of the greatest dads I know are African-American dads, and uh, I'm just so impressed. So it's not that, but that culture has that, aspect in it. Um, Then there was the Industrial Revolution. This is one that really caught me off guard. There used to be, we were an agrarian society, and dad was lived in the house, and then he got up early, and he did the chores, and then he went out to the field next to the house. And boys grew up seeing, well, there's dad, and that's what he does. And when they got old enough, he'd get them up with them to do some of the chores, and and show them, wow, that's what a work ethic looks like. This is what dad does. This is how you work. This is where you work. And, and he literally gleaned from his dad. And then dad would pass on responsibilities to him until he could do what dad did. And that was just kind of the way that, 
men became man. I saw a man do it, so I became a man. And then the Industrial Revolution happened. And Dad got up early and left. And he went to work. And it was up to Mom to raise the kids. That became the, the roles. Well, you raise the kids, I'm going to work. And when Dad worked, he worked hard. It's 8, 10, 12 hours a day. So when you come home after 12 hours at a factory, what are you? Tired. You're tired. I'm tired. And, and the family's got the tired time. And there wasn't this natural passing on of this is what work ethic looks like. This is what that feels like. And then compound that by World War II came along, the war years, and literally uh, young men's youth was stolen. I mean, literally, they were, they were 17, 18, 19 years old and sent off to war. And a lot of them didn't come back. The ones who did come back came back wounded, if not physically, emotionally. And there was this disconnect of, I, I don't want to talk about that. And I didn't have this chance to just move into working and becoming this. And it, there's a disconnect there. My father was one of those who, uh, towards the, he was in the Korean War and uh, was an officer in the Air Force. And I saw this emotional disconnect there. I can't remember one time my entire life my father said, hey, man, I love you. Not once. And it was like, wow. I, I, that was just my norm. I didn't understand why that was a big deal to guys until later. And so those war years had an effect on it. And then feminism came around. And let me just say that nobody did more for the uh, equality of, of men and women than Jesus himself. He's like he gave value in a culture that did not value women. And women have equal value, but men and women are not the same. We're not the same. We're created differently. And our society is moving now to where not only does they say, hey, we're the same. Women can do everything men can do. Well, yeah, but they're not meant to do everything men are doing. We're not meant to do everything women are doing. It's not just equal, but it's the same. And we've gone to this other extreme. I'm not going to dwell on it, but now it's not even. We're, we're so much the same. If you're a boy, you don't have to be a boy. You're a girl. You can say you're a girl. You're you're a girl. You can be a boy. Just tell everybody you're a boy. Dress like a boy. Act like a boy. You're a boy. And it's gotten to that point. And I've got friends in the medical industry, and they're like, Ken, it's, it's ridiculous what we have to deal with because we're having to take political norms and deal with it in a medical way. And you can't treat a boy like a girl and a girl like a boy. They're physiologically different, and I can't treat them that way because it's not healthy for them. And it's it's just confusing. So feminism hit that part of it. And then finally, this, this new idea of extended adolescence, that boys are just putting off becoming men. I don't want to be responsible because what, what happens then? I just want to live from adventure to adventure. We call them boys with beards. It's like I just... And, and isn't that funny that literally you'll see these guys and they're growing facial hair and they're letting it go and they're trying so hard... But I don't want any of the responsibility. I don't want any of the pieces that come along with that. I just want to look like a man. I don't want to be a man. And it's, it's amazing how that's, that's infiltrated our society. So with that, here's what we're looking at doing. And in conclusion this morning, and then we're going to have some conversation, and we're going to pull this all together. Um, one, show up. If we show up, you're going to literally, in our conversations, in our times, you're going to glean something that's either going to validate what you are doing, or give you an idea of, wow, that really clarifies that area of my life. And we're going to sharpen one another, because here's the deal. We were not meant to do this alone. So the second one is we need to team up. 
or we need a team. Uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. My, my wife and I, when we were dating, uh, we'd work out together. And I love sports, love sports. Even though Cincinnati beat Atlanta yesterday, A.J. Green from the University of Georgia caught the winning pass, so I'm okay with that. Uh, I love sports. I love to watch sports. I love to play sports. I love basketball, ultimate frisbee. I love to play golf. I love you give a ball and keep score. I love it. I do not, however, like to just run. People go, hey, let's go for a run. I'm like, why? You know, I mean, we can get there other ways. And, and I do run some, though, but here's why I don't like running. I'll stretch out, and I'll get to going. And after about a mile, my body's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm running. I'm trying to get in shape. And about a, half, a mile and a half, my body's like, we don't like running. And at two miles, my body's like, you quit running or we will hurt you. Okay, so sure enough, I get a stitch and a cramp. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm done. Well, here's my problem. When I was dating my wife, and she's beautiful, and I'd do anything to be around her, uh, we're, we got changed. We're going to go work out. I said, what do you want to do today? She goes, oh, I thought, I'd, I thought we'd go for a run. I'm like, inside, on the outside. I'm like, okay, cool, yeah. So we stretch out, and we start going. I said, how far do you want to go? She goes, oh, I'm doing a short day. I'm only doing five. I'm like, blocks or kilometers or what she's like no five miles is that okay is this loop i'm like yeah that's fine that's fine but nobody told my body so i get to a mile and i'm trying so hard my body's like what are you doing and i'm like leave me alone i'm with a girl and i get to a mile and a half and my body's like we don't like running and i'm just ignoring it two miles like we're gonna hurt you and i'm sure enough two and a half miles i get a cramp and i'm trying to run through it and then i get a stitch in my side i'm like (laughs) and she She's so sweet. She's like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is normal. Uh, I look like an idiot. And I finally, we got to the last half mile. And I said, hey, do you mind if I sprint this last little bit? And I was not trying to impress her. I wanted to get around the corner and die for a minute before she got done. But here's the reality. When we're with the right people doing the right thing for the right reasons, we will go further and we'll do better than we'll ever do on our own. And that is one of the keys of why I'm like, yes, I want to be a part of this. I, I want to do this because we're going to experience that. So the team up also, I want you to consider, um, if you've got a friend, maybe, maybe you know him from church, but they've never really plugged into anything, say, hey, I was at that. Won't you come the next couple of weeks? You don't have to have been here the whole time. They post it on the website to where you can kind of see it and uh, hear the week before if they want to listen to that. If not, they can just come be a part. It's okay. So invite those and and find the team and and open up so we can do that. And then finally, a preview of the future. This is really, really cool. Um, I've looked over the big pieces, and basically we're going to get a clear definition of what a man is and how we function. We're going to learn the four faces, the four faces of a man, that we were meant to be kings and warriors and lovers and friends. And what does that mean? Because once we find that, that's where we're going to start finding the fulfillment and the significance of who we are and uh, really discovering that. And then there's a piece of it I'm really looking forward to also of time-wise. If I'm in my 20s, what does it look like? What does God have prepared there? My 30s, my 40s, my 50s, my 60s, my 70s. What is the progression? What is the purpose God has for where I am in my station of life? And how can I encourage others in theirs? So that's the big overview of it. So on this next page, here's what I want to do. We're going to take, we're going to take uh, 20 minutes, and I want to discuss, simply discuss, these four questions. 
So you're going to have about five minutes per question per table. Um, how many tables, how many of you guys have a uh, table host? If you're a table host, raise your hand real quick. So there's one, two, three, four. Okay. Um, the, you guys back there, I'm going to count to three. I want you to point to whoever you think is the, the best table host. So get one finger real quick. One finger, one finger. Now point to somebody. One, two, three, point. Okay, well, he is the table host. Uh, that's awesome. You got the most fingers. So uh, do those, and we're going to kind of at the end, we're going to conclude by just going through those questions, uh, get some consensus, and then we'll go from there. So you got 20 minutes.